catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Uh, okay, let's, uh, dun 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 That was me doing the transition music. Please put that in the outtakes. Okay. <laughs> yep, and that. Uh... Fourth of July, two thousand and eighteen. I'm Simon Copland, and I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about conflict in this season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, but before we start that, so I just wanted to sort of announce that uh, there is a new book coming out, a book called Queer Stories, Reflections on the Lives Well Lived from Some of Australia's Finest LGBTIQA Right Plus Writers. Um, and I'm really, really happy that I have a chapter in this book. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, so it's a collection um, edited by Maeve Marsden, who runs this amazing event called Queer Stories in Sydney. Um, I was really lucky that I was able to speak at the event last year, um, talking about polyamory, uh, and I have turned that talk into a chapter which is going into this book. Uh, so um, the book comes out in August, uh, but you can pre-order it now if you really want to. Um, you can pre-order it through the Hatchette website, and we'll put a link up in the show notes for anybody who wants to pre-order it. Uh, and there are also going to be launch events in Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, and Melbourne, and potentially other cities, uh, and we'll also post those on our Facebook event uh, when they are announced. Rad. It's it's very exciting, Simon. Are you, yeah. you feeling good? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It was really, really lovely that Maeve asked me to write... A piece for it. I mean, there's some pretty amazing other writers in there. Rebecca Shaw, Benjamin Law, Noyuki Gori, um, uh, Pauline Pantsdown. Uh, there's some, like, some pretty cool other writers in there, so it's really nice um, company to be in, I think. Hmm. I embarrassingly have never been to Queer Stories, but uh, Simon is taking me along this Friday, yeah, it's uh, gonna be great. Which which will be which will be fun. I'm gonna sit sit in the back and boo. No, I'm I'm joking. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have a great time. It's it's. I've been so I've been I've been once before and then I spoke at one and it's it's just a lot of fun. It's just a very um, it's a really nice crowd. Um, it's a lot of energy. Everybody, everybody sort of is very um, supportive of all the speakers. Um, yeah, I've had a great time both times I've gone. Yeah, great. So I also wanted to to give a brief plug to Queer Reading Group Sydney, the reading group that I've been running uh, here in, um, uh, unsurprisingly, Sydney for the past You're few the months. Queer Reading Group Sydney is Queer held Reading in Group Sydney, Sydney is, is held in Sydney, believe it or wow. not, and it is just so great. If I may toot the horn of my own event, but uh, it, we we had the most recent one a couple of weeks ago, and I I just I just love it so much. I kind of had all these quite romantic ideas about doing it before we started. So it's, it's, it's almost a bit you, uh, operates in some ways on similar principles to, to what we do here at queers 
where it's about just kind of putting a topic on the table or a reading specifically. So we read short queer texts, um, mostly uh, historical texts, and just kind of throw the, the floor open to questions and, and really encourage people to to ask whatever they want, to discuss anything they want, to, to ask each other questions, Very a very open environment. And it's just created some really fantastic discussion and really constructive and creative and interesting discussion. The last uh, session that we had, we discussed uh, a pamphlet from 1992 Two, I believe, called uh, Transgender Liberation uh, by a, a writer called Leslie Feinberg. And it just ended up being this fascinating discussion about uh, gender and uh, historical constructions of gender and how we kind of incorporate shifting historical constructions of gender into contemporary ideas of what it means to be cis and what it means to be trans and whether those terms are meaningful and it was all like it was so 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 great and really uh, a lot of generosity from everyone in the room so if you are interested and uh, and live in or near sydney it's on at better red than dead bookshop in newtown on king street on the third thursday of every month at 6 30 p.m uh, goes for about an hour and a half um, you can look up Queer Reading Group Sydney on Facebook uh, to find out more about it. And we post about it pretty regularly on the Queer's social media as well. So come along. I'll make sure we post about it again uh, following the release of this episode so people can go and like the page and, uh, and head along if you're in Sydney. It sounds amazing. I wish I was in Sydney and I could come along myself because it sounds like the kind of thing I would love. And You I'm would really love glad it. I'm really glad it's going so well. Hmm. Season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race has just finished and spoilers, like really big spoiler alert because we're going to be talking in detail about uh, the whole season and the end of the season. Uh, Aquaria was crowned as America's Next Drag Superstar contestant Aquaria. However, despite some epic lip syncs in that finale and some unfortunate uh, lip sync fails, it was in the previous week's reunion episode that the real drama unfolded. In this episode, RuPaul and one of the show's finalists, uh, Asia O'Hara, had it out after another contestant, the Vixen, walked off the stage halfway through. The Vixen had become known as the fighter of the season, with her arguments becoming a focal point for discussions on race on the show. She left the reunion after facing intense criticism from both Ru and other contestants. In the discussion that took place in the group after she left, RuPaul and Asia O'Hara debated how best to support people doing it tough within drag and queer communities, while Asia argued that people like the Vixen needed more support from within the community, Rue very strongly took the opinion that you cannot help people who are not open to that help. This has gotten us thinking once again about the very nature of the queer community, and most importantly how we do and don't support people within that community. So, let's get started. Ben, on Twitter, you said that this discussion brought out everything you dislike about RuPaul to the point uh, that you don't really know how you can keep watching the show. Can you maybe explain for our listeners what you meant by that? Yeah, so I think there are a couple of things going on here. I suppose to 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 give a little bit more detail about this argument. So Asia and the Vixen had become very close over the course of the season, particularly just before the Vixen was eliminated. They had a, a, a very kind of uh, intimate and vulnerable moment together about uh, like black African American anger, essentially, and and how that kind of plays out in an environment like 
drag race. And I think it's important to note that the Asia and the Vixen were two of five African-American contestants in this season. Uh, and it's quite like that. I think there's always been an African-American, con- at least one African-American contestant in every season of the show, but this was quite a high rate, high number compared to other seasons. Um, and so there was, it, that led to some increased discussions about race in the show. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and there is a very, a very yeah, racial element to, to, to this whole discussion that obviously, uh, Simon, you and I can have only a certain amount of uh, of, of insight into. So then, when uh, the so the, a point was kind of brought up during the the reunion uh, about essentially trying to assign blame to someone or another person around a lot of the con- confrontations and conflict that that the vixen had been involved in, and the vixen very strongly holding the position that she had been responding. Uh, uh, very rationally to to things that were happening in her environment and, and ways that she was being treated, uh, perhaps unfair ways that she was being treated, and that that was being read as more aggressive or more irrational or more out of control than when those things were coming from other people, particularly uh, her fellow contestant Eureka. It, it kind of got to a point, things escalated to the point where she felt that she had to leave, um, and I... She, she very sort of, you know, ca- calmly or, or, or clearly said, I, I just want to thank my fans and everyone who supported me, but I, I need to get out of here. And I, I don't know, I personally can just relate to that so much. I think, you know, I'm someone who can get uh, under the right circumstances very upset and, and even very angry. And when that's happening, it's often like a really fantastic strategy to just kind of go, actually, I just need to not be here and i think that that's it's worth saying that that's that's really that's smart i mean that's that's kind of smart behavior i think when you're in a a situation like that that's potentially very unsafe and i think that's something that asia pointed out afterwards that that she probably had the the two options in that situation for her was probably to blow up and sort of to make to 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 really for the 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 conflict to go to another level or to to say actually i just need to leave this because i I don't want that to happen in this situation Uh, and i think i agree it's totally smart it makes it makes sense why would you sort of uh, criticize that she was she was doing something to sort of diffuse the situation rather than to to sort of escalate it? I think. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So so what where where things started to get even more intense, unbelievably, was that after the vixen left, Asia kind of had a go at at everyone else in the room. Well, not just everyone else in the room herself as well. She she said yep, yep. Um, had had this very like intense uh, 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 monologue, almost that that's one of the most intense things I think I've ever seen on television. Where she said, but basically culminated in her saying, "It's Pride Month. I can't believe that we are sitting here and saying that we are supportive and saying that we're all about community when we've let somebody who is a part of that community leave this room and 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 who who really needs our help and." Uh, as if that wasn't intense enough, the response from RuPaul w- was very uncharacteristic of how we usually see RuPaul on the show, in that he was very, very fired up, very angry, I would say, or well, certainly I read him as angry. Yeah, me too, yep. Um, and, and basically saying, the Vixen needs to help herself, how, are we, how can we be expected to help her if she's not willing to do that? And also, and I think very tellingly, Ru said, I've been treated like shit, by this wasn't his exact words, but uh, I've been treated like shit by XYZ communities for being who I am, but I've learned how to behave to to get ahead. 
basically mm-hmm. I've, I've learned and how to be in a room and, and... I think what she said specifically was like, you know, I've been uh, uh, discriminated against by white people for being gay and discriminated against by black people for being... Sorry, white people for being black, discriminated against black people for being gay and discriminated against gay people for being too femme and mm. I've never let that stop me from sitting in this chair here tonight or something like that. Totally, totally. And I, and I think that th- those are not... You know, I've been watching Drag Race for a while and 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 engage in in a lot of the um, the peripheral media around it as well. And I and I think and even just in the show itself, I guess that attitude from Rue didn't surprise me. In that, I think that there is a real kind of undercurrent of individualism to the show and a very specific kind of focus on like sort of. Uh, American dream style, you mm. know, overcome your own challenges and and pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of stuff, and that Rue's a big uh, proponent of that. You know, that the the queens that she tends to like and the queens that tend to win are the queens who overcome personal challenges. You know, she's always talking about her inner demons and things like that being p- things that you need to overcome. I think what shocked me about it was how I guess how explosively that came out. And and how in that moment for me, it went from being a sort of underlying politics to the show that is uh, uh, that's there and, and kind of there in a lot of the show and, and, and very much kind of pushed, I think, by RuPaul to being something that is, uh, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, I feel like there's a difference between... Like, having those sorts of politics, having this idea that, like, to survive in a shitty world, you need to kind of be able to help yourself and you need to just kind of be able to get on with it. I think that that can be a very useful strategy for people who are in a kind of shit situation to be able to feel a little bit better about being in the world, the shitty world. But I think when that goes from being a sort of personal philosophy to being something that you are enforcing in other people and particularly in a situation where to my mind Rue was kind of sitting there and going like I can't help the vixen like as if like the world's shit we all just need to deal with it as if like she doesn't have the power he she sorry I don't know I never know which pronoun to use with Rue um as if Rue doesn't have the power in that situation to make things better for the vixen which she just like 100% Mm. does like it's one thing to use that those sorts of arguments in a vacuum it's quite another to like actually have someone sitting in front of you who's having a really terrible time and and getting really really upset and being treated really badly and just kind of going well the world's a shit place it's like well in this situation you're actually actively making it shit for this person yeah yeah and i think that also i mean one part that really frustrated me about it was rue went on this rant about how you know, she invited the Rixon, the Vixen, to her to her home, and how dare she disrespect her home like this? And you know, uh, you know, she came in and she disrespected my home. That's why, you know, how you know that's so very rude from her. Uh, Referring after she to had, the show, the, the, she was saying that that she's know, the, the her home in that is she's the talking show, about the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, that she was talking about the the home. At, you know, this is her home, and you know the the, the show is hers, and it's her home. Um, and it was really frustrating to see that after she had just spent, you know, a whole bunch of time trying to lay blame on the Vixen for what had happened, for the conflict that had been in the show. And I think in many ways being disres- quite disrespectful for that. And there was a quite a telling moment where, uh, so, you know, one, a, big, a big part of this discussion between the Vixen and Eureka was uh, that... Eureka said at some point, at one point in time that she wanted that she was trying to test the vixen that she was kind of goading her a little bit um and 
Rue was very strongly of like, you know, you don't have to take that. You, you know, don't you have it? You have an, uh, you're sort of uh, a responsibility not to respond, to not take the goad. But I think, and and the vixen said, well, you're telling me how I should respond, but you're telling her how she should act. You yeah. know, you're you're telling me that I should, and and I think this, there's a broader part about this sort of an understanding of how we should respond to discrimination in this, where you're saying where the, a lot of the focus of Rue is talking about how people should respond to discrimination, but not talking about how people should stop discriminating or how we should fight against that discrimination. You know, that we should just respond to it by rising above and, you know, being better and getting through our personal demons rather than fighting back against it, which is, I think, the vixen, what the vixen was saying was, she's te- deliberately testing me and I was fighting back against it because I th- mm. that's what I needed to do to, to stop it from happening. It's tough because I feel like the, I mean, the way that you've framed it there sort of put into relief a bit for me that there are like that we've also kind of railed against the extreme opposite position on this podcast ab- about uh, getting frustrated when people frame themselves as uh, as victims and vulnerable and, and, and kind of assert no agency whatsoever, which is 100% not what the Vixen was doing in this situation. And, and uh, you know, I want to make that clear. She, she's been very clear, uh, very upfront on social media since then. And I think at the time uh, by saying that, She's not in need of help. She's not, you know, the problem is not with her. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, that's absolutely, that's absolutely fair enough. But yeah, I think absolutely at the, at the extreme end of this sort of discourse that Rue is a part of and feels like quite an American thing to me. I don't know whether you see it quite as much in Australia, although I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, Simon. Yeah, I mean that's that's it, it is quite extreme in that direction. You mean extreme? Sorry, extreme which direction? In the direction of the sort of more vulnerable. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like we the, have the, the sort of we're everyone, sort of railing against has to help themselves. Yeah, yeah, everyone has to help themselves, and we sort of rail against the sort of. I think we've railed against the the vulnerable to the point where it's we're so weak that we need somebody else to help us. Yeah, totally. Um, and and I guess like I, kind of I, maybe I'm just like over anticipating like. Critique or something here, but like I, I feel like they're they're both such extreme positions, neither of which is great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think that uh, my perspective, we see in Australia more of the other stuff, the the sort of where, it, and, I, and maybe that's because we've you know still at the the end of the plebiscite, where I think that 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 narrative of we're so vulnerable, we need we, we can't yes, handle yeah. this kind of stuff was very strong. And, and I safe think- schools is the same. Yeah, yeah, safe schools absolutely. Uh, but I think if we come to to what Rue was talking about. I, I think it's very much linked in with the American Dream stuff that is very common and throughout the show. Where there's always, there's always the patriotic episode where they do something really patriotic. You know, there's the you know the ones where there's you know in season make four, over the think, veterans. They make over the veterans. There's season four. They you know they ran for president. Oh, that's um, right. yeah. You know this this season. I mean, the other thing I hated about this season was the song. I cannot stand the song. Uh, yeah. no, it is okay. such homo nationalism. You know, American Dream bullshit. Um, but it's just it's the epitome of RuPaul's sort of um, sort of American Dream nationalistic approach to this sort of stuff. And I think that this was all really linked in together. The sort of pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, overcome adversity, um, and and you know, and push forward. And you can you, you can be exactly where I am if you just overcome that adversity, deal with your inner demons, all that kind of stuff. You can achieve the American Dream as well. Um, and like it's just, I just think it's, I, I think it's rubbish. Like it's clearly rubbish. Um, and and so that sort of, and I, I think why it was so intense this time is that you had two people really, the vixen and Asia O'Hara, who pushed back against it. Mm. Um, Which is, I, given the power dynamics on the show, is very unusual. I mean, Rue was like. 
you know, positions himself as, like, God, you know, absolutely. And so, I mean, that's why... I mean, certainly why I love the Vixen so much, but also why I just had so much respect for Asia uh, in that, that moment of confrontation, because it must have been... It was a huge risk. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And and and, and you can cl- clearly tell from the editing that it goes on for quite a while, because they, they cut in and out. You know, it's, it was obviously a lot longer than what was presented on the mm. show, I think. And it seemed quite intense. And I think it is a huge risk. And But I also think it's why it's blown up in this way, because I cannot think of another queen who has challenged it that sort of politics to any extent um really in the entirety of the show i cannot think of another queen maybe there is maybe no. someone can point, point someone out i think the the closest i mean this is not challenging the politics but the closest we got to a similar situation and it's different because i think that if we go back Are back on pearl I wasn't going to say Pearl. Oh, yeah, Pearl with the, you know, yeah. I was yeah, gonna, but that I was think, different. I, was, I, I was going to go back one season to, I, f- I saw some similarities, but there's also differences between uh, what happened here and Nino, Nina, Bernina Brown. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, who yeah. was also, but I think there is, for me, there's the distinction is that, and and I think Nina has recognized this, that she, she does struggle with a whole range of um, self-doubt and that kind of stuff. Um, but I felt that there was frequent sort of like, someone struggling with self-doubt and, and the rest of them saying, you've just, now we've just gone too far. I just can't help you anymore. You know, it's just too much. You know, it's very, it was very sort of like, you've got to pull yourself yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I think the difference is the politics. There was a bit of, there wasn't as much of the politics there, but I haven't seen a queen uh, doing what the Vixen or Asia did, which is pushing back against Rue and pushing back against his politics. And maybe that's why Rue sort of blew up in the way that she did, that she hasn't experienced that before, particularly not from one of her queens. I mean, I think... It- respectability politics is also a massive part of it. Like that what is, you know, I think why respectability politics happens and and why it like challenges to it can be so confronting for people, which is 100% how I read that, is that it it elicits this kind of attitude of, well, uh, two things, I think. Like it potentially reminds, so you know, if we talk about in this in this situation, you know, ruin the vixen. Potentially, what the vixen was going through reminded Ru of things about herself or himself that that he maybe didn't like to think about or didn't like to remember. So it's confronting in that sense. But I think more directly, it, it brings out this attitude of you know, I can. I can do this, like, I can be respectable for the community, like, I can overcome all these challenges and be what, you know, whatever, like, straight, white, whatever people want me to be, why can't you do that? Like, Mm. if I've had to go through all this shit, why don't you have to go through all that shit as well? And I think, like, if I think about, and we've talked about respectability politics on the podcast a lot, if I think about, I I think I've told this story as well on the podcast about being particularly quite young, uh, a young gay man and seeing shows like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the original incarnation, uh, and and feeling having thoughts that I look back and now recognise as homophobic, um, because uh, yeah, and I think part of that was like motivated by similar things, like a that it kind of reminded me of things that I didn't like about myself, but also this kind of like you know I'm gay and I don't act like that, like mm. why why do they? Why are they acting like that if they yeah, don't have absolutely. to? 
And I think that also taps in... I mean, I think it's really interesting, and I've just thought of this now, that this has occurred at the same time as in the US, they're having this huge debate about civility at the moment. Um, and so, I'm not sure if you've been following this, Ben, but... Uh, no, was, yeah, quite closely. Yeah, it was sort of... I mean, I haven't been following it super closely, but it's it's related to initially um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the, the spokesperson for Donald Trump, was refused service at a restaurant in... Virginia, uh, and then um, there's been uh, uh, Democratic politicians, Maxine Waters being the most prominent. Uh, uh, again, a an African American uh, woman um, who's a, a very high profile congresswoman um, sort of had a, had a situation, a moment in which she uh, she was speaking at a rally and said that if you you know if anybody sees members of the the, the Trump cabinet, they should be out. Uh, I can't remember the exact terms that she used. I don't I don't want to say harass, but sort of she, they should you should be protesting them. You should be refusing them service. That kind of stuff. Um, and so it's it's created this big debate about about civility in 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 the US and you know people saying you know when you visit Arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time visit a new state of mind learn more at hereyouareaz.com without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. We should be able to have our politics without, you know, harassing each other or yelling at each other or all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then others saying, well, actually, no, when you're facing, you know, a, a destructive... Um, a destructive administration in this case and destructive policies, you have the right to be angry and you have the right to fight back. Um, and I think that there's some correlation here between what I see with that, with the Vixen. And then I think that, um, you know, and, and it's particularly related to, to the, to the debates about race that happened in this, um, in the, uh, um, in the in the show, and there's there's a there's a, a, a part of the sh- uh, one of the untucked episodes where the vixen talks particularly about how race has been dealt with in the show previously, and sort of critiquing the sort of often the editing of of African American characters throughout the show, um, and sort of that they you know when, by characters when, you I, mean contestants contestants sorry <laughs> I used that because I, I I just had the connection between show and I said characters because it's yeah. just how I would relate to that they are contestants they are people you know they're not like Fake, you know, well, they're not fake people. Obviously, they're not putting on an act. Um, anyway, that uh, she was talking, you know, she was talking about that she was critiquing the way that race has been tr- treated with, dealt with, particularly by the editing, but I think also in general on the show. Uh, and 
what you know this sort of links into the civility debate there because what you're seeing there is kind of rue on the side of you have to be civil when dealing with this you know when when dealing with oppression you have to rise above it you have to sort of and that's how you get get to the top uh and and someone like the vixen saying actually no we should be fighting back you know we should we we have the right to be fighting back and to be angry about these things and to be ang- and you know and this goes to what you're saying about her saying well you know I'm not someone who's suffering. I'm someone who is angry about things that I should be angry about, you know, and mm. that is okay to be angry about things sometimes and to express that anger. Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've had a few conversations just in the past, okay, it's been less than a week since, oh no, wait, no, it's been a bit over a week since since the reunion episode about where those, these things have been linked together, the civility politics discussions and, and the drag race stuff. And uh, for me, they are quite distinct i think that they're related in some ways but like civility politics and respectability politics and i you know i don't want to get into a big discussion about language but i guess to me they're quite distinct ideas and and i see something lost in conflating them particularly something lost in the specificity of of what respectability politics is to me like i guess i i suppose i see civility politics as a tool for like enacting respectability politics in some yep, ways yep. so like respectability politics i i would say are about how people in a given group are encouraged or encourage each other or police each other's behavior and how that affects representations of the group as a whole. Whereas I think civility politics is more about like the tactics that you use to kind of shut down uh, political debate. And I think, that, yeah, I think that they're linked, but uh, I, I, I only bring this up because I, do, I don't want to lose what I think is the specific point here uh, that Rue's behavior, I think can be explained very much in terms of respectability politics and very yeah, much in terms fair. of like, being afraid potentially of the what, what the image of the angry black man or the angry black woman will say about black people as a whole or say about queer people as a whole. Yeah, I know. I think that that's a really good point to make. Um, and in terms of that, that particular last point, I think is really, I, I, I can definitely see what you're saying. And I hadn't thought about it in that way about Rue sort of having that fear of what does, what will the vixen how you know how will people the the behavior of the vixen represent black people or gay black people in particular as a whole uh and I can definitely see that being as a reaction against that um I, and I, yeah. I suppose I don't even necessarily mean it in terms of like i, I don't mean that that's like explicitly what's going through Ru's oh, head, yeah, no, but yeah not. just that yeah. like I think that those discourses kind of shape shape those sorts of responses in the in the same way that like you know uh a discussion we had a, a few episodes ago around um uh, responses to discussions of uh, non-monogamy among gay men harming the uh, fight for marriage equality in Australia. I think it's a really comparable, mm. uh, comparable yep. dynamic. Yep, absolutely. And and it's not something that is conscious. It's something that you just do and you you sort of respond to. And I think that the way Rue talks about how she struggled with discrimination and that she sort of dealt with it and you know she got through it and she became a better person from it is 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 sort of a symbol of a signal of that sort of politics going mm. on yes. um in that you know 
I was able to do it and be respectable. Why can't you do that too? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that there's, I think that, I think it's interesting that it's occurring at the same, it's occurred at the same time as what's happening in the US because I do think there are links that we can talk oh, about yeah. in terms yeah, of that. And obviously there's distinctions as well, but I think that, you know, we can see what, what I think is interesting is we can see some of this debate. So we see this debate occurring in this instance on RuPaul in a specific queer context. Uh, when we talk about it, you know, about supporting, you know, in our introduction, we, we spoke about supporting people within the community and, and what is the nature of a queer community, etc. Um, and But you can see some of these debates and they're, they're obviously missing some parts because they're missing the respectability politics parts, but they're seeing they're happening at a broader you know, level in the United States at the moment. And you can see he, um, some stuff about, you know, the right to be angry and the right to um, sort of to be forceful and the right to, 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 to express yourself in that way um, is, is another debate that's happening at a broader level. And I think that there's some interesting stuff that we can draw links between those two things to sort of see how within a microcosm of our community we have, of a queer community, where there is these sorts of similar debates that's happening at a national level with distinctions as well because mm. we have these sort of, um, this other element that is the sort of, you know, discrimination and 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 the ensuing respectability politics that has followed with that. Yeah, and I think particularly, um, and again, this is obviously not an experience that I can speak to, being a whitey, but I I suspect that with particularly around the discussion about civility politics, the way that civility is framed to me reads as very white. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, that that there is a kind of, um, yeah, a whiteness to, like, quote-unquote civilised discourse. Mm, mm. And and you sort of mentioned the, you know, the, the stereotypical angry black person that um, is sort of used as an attack against black people or people of colour, that they're, you know, they're sort of angry and irrational. Uh, and I think that... That is a label that has been placed onto the vixen as a way to discredit mm, yeah. what she's saying, um, and that's really disappointing. And it's really disappointing seeing it. And it wasn't, you know, seeing it within in that episode in an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race to see that that sort of stuff being sort of like put onto her, um, even if it wasn't deliberately said in that kind of way. So I think the other reason I found this all particularly aggravating. Uh, you know, I, I touched on a little earlier around you know th- th- Rue sort of throwing her hands up and going, "I can't, do- I can't help the vixen when she cl- she clearly in a- is in a position to do that." I think is that there is this kind of discourse of family and community around the show a lot, and I think more broadly around a lot of media, uh, queer media or, or, or LGBT media, uh, where we say things like you know, your chosen family and, and uh, you know, we're all, we're all family, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, just the kind of extraordinary hypocrisy of, of that then, you know, just not being there for someone when they actually need it. I mean, that to me is just like the sort of basic, like, I don't know, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, the real test of, uh, of whether someone is a, a, a good friend or, you know, a close family member or whatever is if they're there when the shit hits the fan, yeah, uh, and and to to see all that rhetoric used so freely on a show like Drag Race, and then just completely abandoned when things got too hard. Um, yeah, I found that that pretty pretty upsetting. And really, when all it would have taken was one of them, and it should have been Rue, following the vixen and talking to her. Like it wasn't like they're talking about some major intervention or anything. It was like, yeah. follow her and say, can totally. you please come back? We want to, you know, we want to continue having this conversation, you know, uh, let's take five minutes to stop the recording and let's have a discussion about this. You know, if it was a real family member, I think Rue would have done that. Um, oh, and if, 
she didn't do that and, you know, threw up her hands and said, oh, well, I can't help my my sister or my brother or whatever, that would be quite a disappointing family relationship. Yes. Um, well, it's, um, not, it's not a family relationship. It's not a family relationship. Know? And, you know, yeah. uh, we all have difficult moments in our family um, and, uh, we, you know, I'm sure we've both had those moments and I'm pretty sure neither of us have done that, you know, and it's it's something that's quite disappointing. But it doesn't... But also, it, it didn't surprise me, which is the kind of sad bit about it as no, well. No, totally. And I think, like, you know, I've got a pretty particular position on this stuff where, like, I don't... Like, I just wish that we would be... Because, like I said, I feel like this sort of language is so pervasive within queer communities and queer spaces. And just time and time again, I see people in those spaces get so, so hurt when things go wrong and suddenly they realise that people aren't there for them in the way that they thought they were. And to me, like, you know, obviously in an ideal world, we'd be more there for each other. But but I feel like that's, like not, you know, intimacy and relationships and things they take time to build and you can't expect those to be there immediately. What I wish we would do is to just stop throwing that stuff around so freely that we would be a little bit more honest about what connections are and aren't there so that people don't... So people know where they stand with people. I just... I feel like it's, you know, better to... This might sound kind of awful, but... Better to know that someone's not going to be there for you so that you can seek out that help from other sources than think it is and then have the chair pulled away from you when you go to sit down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and in reality, RuPaul, you know, it's the 10th season. There's been a hundred and something queens on the show. I don't necessarily expect her to be a family member of to all of those not, people. Of course not, of course not. But stop banding it about. Stop saying you're all my daughters. Um, st- you know, have have a reality check about what your relationship with is, is with these people. It's a relationship of, of, of intense power dynamics um, where you, where, you know, and it's, it is quite interesting as well how she reacted to Asia because I think that, you know, we, I talked about before about how I feel like part of that was that, Nobody had spoken to her like that before. None of her queens had spoken mm, to her like that before. That's why it was so great. <laughs> I know. It's why it was excellent. And and, and it was why I was watching that and being like, I love Asia so much more. It was like, I'm, I watched that and I'm like, I really want Asia to win this now. And I'm really disappointed she didn't, even though her lip sync was a clusterfuck. Um, R.I.P. Pardon? R.I.P. All those butterflies. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. I think that if you, you know, one part of a family is that you that your kids talk back to you. You know, and the fact that that had never happened before um, suggests that maybe this isn't as strong a family as she thinks it is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we have a great comment from a listener on one of our Facebook posts on our Facebook page, Queers Podcast. And this actually relates a lot to the discussion we were just having about the civility politics uh, in happening in the US. I know, I had to uh, stop myself from just diving right into this one because it does flow really directly on... Uh, and so this was just a story about uh, about the incident in which Sarah Huckabee Sanders was booted out of a restaurant and refused service from a restaurant. And we sort of threw up the question of um, whether throwing out a leading figure of the Trump administration is the same or different than conservatives refusing to bake cakes for gay weddings, which is also a story that's been in the news recently because the Supreme Court in the US ruled that 
Uh, it was a, a, about a bakery in Colorado that refused to, to bake a cake for a gay wedding, uh, and it went to the you know it was the discrimination case went to the to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that this bakery had the rights to refuse service to this couple. Uh, so there's th- that has also been in the news. So I just wanted to, so we wanted to ask you know if is this different or is it the same or what's 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 going on here uh, that maybe we're angry at one refusal of service and not angry at another. Uh, and we had a sort of great comment uh, from David Heslin and thank you David for commenting and it's it's a you know a couple of paragraph comments so I'm just going to try and summarize it. So David says that he's uh, in two minds on this. Uh, firstly, you know, sort of big believer in treating everyone with decency um, and humanely, um, even those he, he sort of opposes and has different views from, but then also saying that that this kind of stuff is what meaningful dissent looks like, that you can't, you know, protests that should be about inconvenience, not just being respi- writing respectful letters, that protest that works is the kind of protest that inconveniences people, makes life difficult, stops things from occurring, etc., etc., and I think going on to that second question, he says you know, that it's not the same as sort of not baking a, a wedding for a for a gay wedding, sorry, not baking a wedding, not baking a cake for a gay wedding, um, because uh, there's a whole range of different power dynamics here. And in the, in the situation in which you have a gay couple, um, there's not really any, the, you know, the, the power dynamics are often weighted against that couple who are trying to get married. Whereas in this situation, you have someone who is a leading figure of a presidential administration, you know, quite an influential person who is suffering from protest. Uh, and totally. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders does not need our help. Yes, exactly. So she's not someone that, you know, that needs our help and, you know, and, and is actually someone that can suffer through that inconvenience um, and is not facing discrimination because she's suffering through that inconvenience, you know, that, she, you know, that she is someone in a very powerful position. And sometimes when you're in powerful positions, you have to go through the inconvenience of being protested against, basically. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And I think it's a really interesting discussion to have. I mean, Ben, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I guess, you know, I feel like there are two ways you can come at this. The, the question of like, is it okay, to me is just like super easily answered by essentially what David said, which is the power dynamic is completely different, so you can't really compare them. To me, that question is a bit of a furphy though. Like, I don't think that questions about the abstract morality of whether or not it's okay to protest in a given way are... relevant (laughs) you know like i like i feel like they're a bit of a distraction and like it's not like it's not like Mm. this is a debate around how to legislate for free speech or something like that like this is just literally a like for the most part a, a debate that's playing out in the media around like what tactics are and aren't acceptable and to be honest like you know, do what works and what is going to have consequences that you can deal with. Like, I feel like an abstract discussion about whether or not it's okay, the only people who win out of that are the people who want us to be so distracted that we're not doing anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and, And it's interesting that a lot of the tax on the opposition to Trump um, in the US is focused on attacking tactics. Uh, and so it's it's been, uh, this is an example, uh, the attack on, uh, I want to say her name is Michelle Wolf. The who, White House correspondent. P.S. Um, uh, could I just say very briefly about Michelle Wolf? I despise all of those like American political com- comedian news type people like Jon Stewart and, and uh, 
and John Oliver and all those people. I find them really irritating. Mm. She's so great. She's I find excellent. her so funny, Michelle Wolf. I don't know. Uh, I yeah. don't know. I have endless discussions with my partner about this, who's a big fan of like all of those uh, late night talk shows. But she's the only one that I that I really like. Sorry, that's all I want to say. No, that's okay. I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that, I mean, the funny thing is that I think that her routine for the, there were some really great parts in that routine. There were some, also some parts that just hit, that were just really, that landed really flat. Sure. Um, but I've seen other stuff that has just been incredible and I really, I really like her. Um, I saw her at, um, she, there's an Alive at Apollo on YouTube that you should watch of hers, which is incredible. Great. Uh, anyway, it's, it's the, 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 uh, the focus and, and it's actually, this is also similar to the Antifar, the attacks on the Antifar, the, the, the attempts to make Antifar, um, seem as being similar to the fascists themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know that there's this extreme left and extreme right, and the antifa is on this one one side, and the you know the the white supremacists are on the the same side. As if that's comparable. I think that there's is often creating this. Um, it's an attempt to create a distraction that says uh, you should be fighting amongst yourself about about your tactics rather than working in different ways to to to, to achieve the outcome, which is to oppose the policies that are being out there um, because they don't want it. Maybe they don't want to talk about the policies. It's just, it's an effective way to create an attack to, to, to focus on tactics instead of focusing on the actual issues that are being protested about. Mm. Uh, And I think I a hundred percent agree with you that do what works, do what makes things inconvenient, do, um, you know, think about the strategies and figure out what is going to work. And there are different ways it's going to work and you don't have to be nice about it. Protest is not totally. about being nice. I think, there is a, I think there's a legitimate question about, like, consequences, as I mentioned, where I think that you can get into a situation where, like, you know, like, for example, you know, I'm a, I'm a big uh, free speech fan. I'm a big believer in, in free speech and think it's something that should be very much um, protected at a, at a, at a, at a state level as much as is possible um mm-hmm. and 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 so you know like I, like i think I, I sort of get frustrated when when those sorts of things aren't kind of held up by by the left as well but i guess to me it's the the difference it's almost like the distinction between kind of going like public debates about critiquing what people should and shouldn't say versus like what the state can actually crack down on like those are two very different discussions uh, you know, r- related but but different, and and by the same token, if the con like if you're, for example, an alternative political party wanting to get elected within a political system, you obviously have to be careful like what kinds of tactics you do and don't support because you're eventually going to be ideally in that position of power, and and the same checks and balances should be there against you. But I think when we're just talking about like at the level of, uh just trying to change things and, and activism at, at a grassroots level, then fuck it, you know, yeah, do what works. Does that make sense yeah, as, a, as a kind of distinction? No, it does. And I think that... Like, I think there is there is value in attempting to preserve a system that you like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, and yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think that there's value there. I think, you know, I would go further and be saying, you know, this is a completely different discussion for another day, but... There is also value in working to tear, it, tear down that system, but I think oh, that's fuck a, yeah. a discussion that's, that we've had that all the time. Um, and what I, you know, and I and I like that, you know, I think what's interesting about this debate that's happening in the US about civility is that there's a potential to be having those sorts of discussions about what is wrong with a civil discourse, um, particularly what is wrong with a civil discourse when you're having a civil debate about locking up children in detention centres. You know that 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 the civility in that instance actually sort of props up the 
there's the power structures uh, and that incivility or what is called incivility is actually about trying to break down power systems. It's not about, um, you know, this sort of be, not being nice to someone. Uh, and if you just frame it as not as around, you know, not being nice to someone, if you frame it around the, the, the need to be civil and to be nice, you just detract from the work. And then this is deliberately detracting from the work from, from particular people of the attempts to actually break down the power systems that are causing the problems in the first place. Mm. And to, to briefly go full circle with this, I think this goes to something I really love about the Vixen uh, on Drag Race, which is that I feel like a lot of the way that she engaged with racial politics on the show throughout the season was to kind of employ, you know, quote unquote, incivility as a politics to kind of, to kind of go, you know, no, I'm not going to play by these ridiculous rules. I'm not going to kind of sit here and, and pretend like things are all nice when they're not. And uh, I, I think that's I think that's fucking great. Yes. Thank you again, uh, David. And if you would like, uh, like David to get in touch or make a comment, you can do so in a whole range of different ways. You can email us at queerspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at queerspodcast. And you can follow our personal social media accounts. I'm on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer and on Twitter at Simon Copland. And Ben is on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. You can also find the podcast on our website where we have our whole archive. That is queerspodcast.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or what is it, Apple Podcasts now or any of the other podcast services. Uh, if you do that, leave a review and a rating, which helps people find us. And to be honest, also makes us feel good because we see them and they're nice. I'm also now, I just got an Android and I'm, I'm using Podbean because I don't have Apple Podcasts oh, on the Android. Oh, yeah. I, I, used I, can, use, I can subscribe to us on there. You, you can. I used to use um, Pocket Casts when I had an Android phone. Also, also you could subscribe on there if you have that. Uh, we also, as always, want to thank our podcast network, Earbuds. Um, check out the, the shows on there. There's lots of good stuff. And, you know, finally, tell a friend about us. If uh, you like this episode or any of our other episodes, maybe post about it on social media. Tell a friend who you think would like it. Tell your other friends who love RuPaul's Drag Race uh, and want to have an in-depth discussion about what happened this season. Um, it, you know, word of mouth is the best way for, for us to get this out. So please tell as many people as you can. Tell tell them about our steaming hot take on... Oh, that sounded bad. You know what I mean. Uh, that's probably <laughs> Not exactly that what I kind mean. of... Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.